1: at 617 3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. This pump your fist, raise your hand in the air just like this. If I felt like doing it, today is definitely one. After that Supreme Court foolery, plantation foolery that just went down, Um, we are live here on BNN Media. My name is Sharon Hinton. I am your host with another fantastic guest. He's not new to you guys who have been following the show. Um, And for some of you that he is new to, I've got Dr. Tony Vandermeer Menelik, uh, my brother, who I've known for decades. And he's always been a brother-brother. He's always been an educator. He's always been an activist. He has always had people, our people, at heart and fighting. And now he's in a fight again at UMass Boston. (sighs) As a senior lecturer there, he's not the only one. And no matter where he is, he continues to fight for what is right. My name is Sharon Hinton. We're gonna talk about UMass Boston. We're gonna talk about the assault on education of black people, affirmative action. We're gonna talk about all of this. Stay with us, because there's a piece that you'll see that help to bring you some more information, and then we'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Tony Vandermeer.
0: But, um, you know, our kids, our kids, they're the ones who, who need it, who need us. But-
2: Inequity is baked in the language, right? So mm-hmm. the minute we start talking about things like minority, mm-hmm. like there is nothing minor about me. Mm-hmm. So we have to respect the idea that we are all fully human, fully capable. Yeah.
0: It's obvious and axiomatic. Like we, we, we need to make our schools places where students of color, particularly black children, feel loved, Absolutely. valued, and respected. Absolutely. That's why we don't have black teachers, right? Like yeah. that, that's it. Until we address the miserableness that students of color feel in our, school, feel in our schools, like, there's no impetus for them to come back and work in them. Correct. Like, why are you going to work in a place where you felt subjugated marginalized? Like, that's crazy to me. And he would always seem to be harder on me than the other kids in the classroom. And so I looked at him. It was after a time that I got in trouble or something. I don't know what it was, but he hounded me, and I said, I hate you. And I was crying. I didn't mean I hate you. What I meant was I love you. <laughs> what I meant was I need you. What I meant was, I'm scared because I know that you are going to impact my life in a way that no one else can impact my life because you look like me. In my whole conversation on how to recruit, even as an African-American male uh, teacher, I never thought of the experience that I had in school as being detrimental to actually wanting to be a teacher. Because even after I gave my story of my fifth grade teacher who inspired me, not many experiences after that inspired me but that one was so powerful that I held it for 10 years until I graduated and became a teacher. I've been in teaching for
1: 28 years, 28 years. I was on the news when I first started teaching and it was because they're like, oh, we need more teachers of color. And so that was 28 years ago and we're still having the same conversation.
0: If you're gonna cultivate teachers of color, you have to have supports there so they stay, right? Cause like if I'm a talented young black male with a degree in mathematics and I move into you know, insert name of school and year one, I'm miserable. Right, right, right. Bounce. Right. Year one, I'm not supported. Bounce. Absolutely. Year one, I'm marginalized. Bounce. Absolutely. And like, and if I don't, I'm a fool. Mm-hmm. And so we can create new ones, right? But if we don't keep them and they don't stay, we're right back to square one. We're talking about new for 28 years now. Like, that's crazy to me, 28 years. And so I think it's really, really key. And that's why courage is key in this thing. Yeah. You know, once you confront somebody, once you racialize feedback, once you say, listen, that's, you just called this female heretical. Like, that's a weird thing to say about a female that you wouldn't say about another. We have to be brave, courageous, right. as you say. Right. Our superintendents have to be courageous and say, okay, we yeah. have to do this, yeah. so that we can yeah. go through this ongoing PD. Yeah. So we, we have to we have to step up and do it. But I want to tell you, I really appreciate that because I had never in a million years associated my experience with not wanting to be a teacher and even having that part as a conversation of recruiting black
1: people. So that was the National Network of State Teachers of the Year. And if you notice, they are teachers of color, black teachers. Um, I'm the executive director and founder of Black Teachers Matter. (sighs) And I really would love to be able to um, not have to have an organization like that. Unfortunately, with the history of this country and with the current events that's going on in this country when it comes to educating people about black people, Black Americans, here's where we are, and here's where we are tonight with my guest, the Honorable Dr. Tony Vandermeer. Welcome. Again, um, freshly back from Cuba, and you showed me those pictures of the nice fish, man. You're making making my mouth water. But we're here to talk about you Mm -hmm. and the fight that you have. I mean, it gets so tiring. I mean, Mm -hmm. we just want to do the best that we can do where we are, for students, mm. we're not necessarily delineating, you have to be a black student white student. You and I have a love for our people. Right. And so you're in the African you know, Studies Department at UMass Boston. But I've always known you to be like this, even mm. when you were a student. That's what your heart is, to help mm. our people get together. But tell me about the fight that you're in now. And, and while my director is bringing up this um, poster, this flyer, mm. that we want people to actually... Yeah get activated for it. So while you're talking a little bit, I want people to look at the information because mm-hmm. it's saying call or email President Marty Meehan. Right. Yeah. Like you're watching this show, UMass Boston administration threatens distinguished black faculty in the Africana Studies Department, and it doesn't say UMass Boston, but I know it's at UMass Boston, with termination. You've been there for how long?
3: Well, I've been on uh, UMass campus for 38, uh, 28 years. But I, you know, since '91, I was working through the College of uh, CPCS, College of Public Community Service, uh, when we used to be on Arlington Street. Um, but I w- worked with them where we did a course, summer course, at Roxbury Community College in Freedom okay, House. thank you so for So been the over poster. 30, 30 years, you know. Um, so, but it, you know, it's um, not very much have have changed. Um, and so, when you are effective, um, and when you push for structural change. You know they're not ready to to deal with it. They want to maintain control. They want to maintain whiteness. Um, you know, and that you know they'll they'll be performative in terms of saying we want this kind of change, but they're still in control. And this is a public university. And this is a university that's uh, impa- is exactly that's impacting the minds of, of of our our community and the broader community. You know, so essentially um, they're still you know uh, fighting with us, uh, 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 Dr. Kumara Uh, just received a notice this week um, sort of warning him because after his disciplinary hearing um, they uh, found him erroneously uh, uh, in violation because he didn't show a video of the Chancellor of the University when we brought the president of Cape Verde uh, for the Martin Luther King uh, Cabral 25th anniversary program so the, the, the Chancellor did not say whether he was gonna come and participate and speak and so uh, they gave uh, a, a video to the videographer to put in and so the program was running late So Jim Dari, that didn't happen so they accused him of disrespecting the Chancellor and the Chancellor violating the Chancellor's Right to free speech which is absurd. It is men have all the power he, he, he has the last word the first word the middle calls word
1: press conferences and whatever.
3: That's right, you know uh, But it's a it's a joke. It's, it's very personal. It's ridiculous that you're going to take a, a full uh, senior faculty member, you know, and put them through the rakes, you know, uh, sort of like that. Um. So with me, um, they're trying to say that I, I uh, I, I went to Cuba, uh, did unauthorized trips to Cuba.
1: You've been doing these trips to Cuba. Exactly,
3: but but the point is, according to um the um Department of Treasury, um, in terms of all the rights that you have to deal with, is that I travel based on you know, people to people and other, the other 12 or 13 particular p- prospects that you can travel with. And then I said I didn't fill out like the proper forms. I didn't have to fill out like the proper forms because, number one, they're not paying my trip, mm. right? They're not going to tell me where I could go and, wh- and when I could go and what I got to do. They're not controlling my life like that, you know. So, um, I had a hearing. They wanted to discipline me. They wanted to discipline Jim Dari, But they also was under charges of possible term- term- uh, termination, you know, around that. So we says you know bring your best shot and do what you do because that's who they are that's what they're going to do especially when you're effective but this retaliation, okay, is they defamed us right um, it is the you know it's, it's with intentional inflicting emotional stress mm-hmm. it's all of the above hostile environment it's all of these things that they're doing and so we've been telling people to, this is their institution to call right uh, but so there has to be some changes that this made very quickly because they're they're creating an environment. Uh, that is not healthy. And we were the ones who pushed for the university to, deal, to be an anti racist, health promoting university. So it's not healthy. Wait a watch. minute, but
1: this is the same university that's actually got some acknowledgments, some accolades for being what it's really not, right?
3: Well, exactly. But that's because of their, their public relations you know, um, effort. They have money to do it. But the truth of the matter is that it, that's not what's happening. Right. So just like the clip you just played. It's not just in terms of how you treat you know, black students. how you teach black teachers. So if you mistreat us, how are you going to treat the black students and the regular students who, who go there? So this is an opportunity in light of the Supreme Court decision, the fact that we're not there you know, uh, we're there because we fought to be there. That's right. And so they're whitewashing 50 years of our struggle, 50 years of well, our struggle. 400, really? Well, that, that, that's going to, you know, but in terms of the particular law right. that dealt with it. But at one point, we, particularly with the Dred Scott decision, we were non-persons. We had no rights that white people
1: were bound to respect. Well, wait a minute. For those people, and I don't think it's people that watch my show that don't know, but just in case you happen <laughs> to flip through, the Dred Scott decision was... The Dred Scott decision was a a, a black person uh, who
3: uh, was trying to ride on uh, a, a train um, and you know wanted to deal with first seat, but you know they did you know uh, give him that whole opportunity, and there was a question of them you know talking about whether he was free or not free. But the point was is that the Supreme Court decision was a, you know was a, a racist Supreme Court decision at the, at the point. You know, they believe more in terms of states' rights. It says that black people had no rights that white people were bound to respect. Okay, so that's where we are now. They didn't see us as as, as citizens. They, they they didn't see us so as property. Right? You know, and so this is that our movement have fought. This led up to the Civil War. You know, this led up to the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendment. This led up to then they came and they brought. Even after that, they brought up what Plessy versus Ferguson right. to resegregate us. Right. Then Brown versus Board of Education, 1954, saying that all that's illegal. Now we're going back.
1: This is this is madness. And in Brown versus Board of Education came at a time when we had black institutions, we had black schools, we had. Um, so when Brown versus Board of Education came in, in 1954, saying that separate um, separate it is not equal, separate but un, separate. It's illegal. It's illegal. Yes. Um, and it's not equal, right. and so therefore, black kids have the right to go to schools with white kids, but what it effectively did was push out all the black educators and it, shut down it, all the sure, black,
3: exactly, and
1: just push thousands of people yes. out of positions and yes, said, yes. but you're not qualified to teach white yeah. people but or even, have your own institutions. But
3: even when the schools were in, it was, was, was it, well, even when the schools, the black schools didn't get equal resources, they were in some ways far farther, farther, farther superior than some of the schools we, have now. In terms of who we had now. Because you had black doctors teaching Warriors. folks. Right, you know, uh, and so forth. And dealing with reading, writing, arithmetic, I mean there was a real emphasis in terms of what really education had meant. But when you dealt with integration, you know, you got lost in the sauce uh, and so forth, right? So the question is, you know, and this is Derek Bell raised this question around fighting for the the, the segregation suit here even in Boston is that that wasn't the real question. The question is giving us the resources that we need to do what we gotta do. That we paid for. That's for right. For our taxes. And so, and so now, what happens? You know, we got gentrification. We, I mean, they're pushing us further. It's like creating Bantu stands in South Africa, right? You know, you look at what's happening in Dorchester, and Roxbury, in terms of where we
1: used to be, right? I posted a picture this past week of a vacant lot that used to be where the original Freedom House is. Yeah. I was just like, I mean, it took my breath away because I remember going in there teaching classes. I remember going in there and taking classes, and the legacy of Otto Muriel Snowden, and what that really means, and how our buildings, Harriet Tubman House, is now a development. How our history is being wiped out on purpose, and some of the people that are doing that look like us, right? But justifying it.
3: Right, but, but that's, again, that's historical. There were people who looked like us who they made overseers, right? And so it becomes gatekeepers. And so they, they do that in these institutions now. Uh, and so to be able to justify says, well, look, we got so-and-so here, so what is what is your, your right. complaint? Right. You know, if he can so make forth. it, you can make it. Right, but that that's reflective of our uh, not having the type of unity that we need to be able to counter uh,
1: that that charge. But we also had that unity, and the educational process was part of that, and if you look at, and you and I look at it all the time, the governmental policies and the mm-hmm. legislation mm-hmm. that backs up that racism, that's why when people, you know, black people have said to me, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being racist. Black people cannot be yeah. racist. We can yeah. be prejudiced. Yeah. Yeah. Hear me when I say this. Yeah. Yeah. We can be prejudiced, yeah. but we cannot be racist because our prejudices are not backed up by governmental policies, institutional yeah. policies, yeah. And, and legislation that right. enforces that prejudice. Power. That power. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, a
3: power. That is, that's the, that is fundamental in terms of what the People's Institute talk about in terms of their de- definition of racism is, is, is race that's plus right. uh, 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 racial prejudice plus power, institutional right. power, which we don't have. We don't have it. Right. You know, and so, but that's the trick bag So now they're calling us the racists. Right? So it's like the reverse racism you know, that's going on now. And so we're, 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 we're going right back many, many years ago. Now we are blamed for creating, and Malcolm said this a long time ago, he said, if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you believe that the criminal is the victim and the victim is the criminal. That's right, that's right. And he said that well over
1: 50 years but ago. But another thing he said, too, is only a fool will let the enemy educate your children. That's and right. we did that. We that's gave right. that up after Brown that's versus right. Board that's of right. Education.
3: But that speaks to education, uh, reflects the values of the people who are in power. And it's also, you know, cultural. And so this is what we do. We put our children in the hands of people who don't care about them.
1: And want to destroy them.
3: Right, right. And that speaks to the question of of colonialism, you know, uh, that we're still dealing with domestic colonialism. And there are people who still believe that this system is going to freedom. And see, here's the other part, is that there was issues about affirmative action. Because affirmative action was a moderate program, as opposed to dealing with what we really need, was reparations. Right. Right. Because reparations are the right to self-determination and equitable distribution of well, resources. Well, reparations
1: and liberation, which exactly you, you can't really be liberated unless you're being educated right. about what liberation really is. That's right. And so what that's was right. a surrogate right. was oh, we'll give you the right. schools and everything, right. but that's not liberation. Right. But
3: but reparations is not a legal question; it's a political question. That's right. Because is that we're gonna make them do what they got to do, otherwise they ain't gonna be able to do
1: anything. And everybody else but us has gotten reparations.
3: Yes, to 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 a, to a, to a, to a, to a They've degree. They've gotten something.
1: We've got nothing. Yeah.
3: So, but but reparations what about the
1: conversations in Boston about this legislation for reparation and in California, mm-hmm. um, what? How do you? So.
3: <laughs> so so let me. The, I, I got your question.
1: Right. So let me say
3: that the Menelik in my name comes from Queen Mother Moore, who in many ways was a mother of reparations. Right. Who we used to bring to Boston all the time mm-hmm. when I was in college. Okay. So. Uh, the 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 uh, legislation that the mayor you know pushed through the city council or you know the city uh, signed council off, city council voted on is that was work that I work with Professor uh, Jim and who's under attack by UMass event uh, uh, Modestine and working with uh, Councilor Mahir in terms of putting it together that went through unanimously okay however through the
1: city council unanimously yes
3: however we also try to make some recommendations who should be on that. Council and then they the didn't choose the people who did the work. The ten work. people born, right? They didn't. They didn't do the tip. You know, put people who were doing that work. So that's problematic, you know, in terms of that, right? And the mayor appointed those people. Exactly, right. So, but the point of it is that they got to stop being safe, you know. And that if you want to really deal with who you got to have Define the them. mayor, the okay. people in power, that if you really want change, you have to deal with un- un- uncomfortable conversations and accept that people are angry, they're mad, they're frustrated. But if you don't address it, it's going to get worse. So it almost seems like. Things aren't going to change until black people decide they're going to tear some more buildings down and burn some stuff. And people say, well, that's our community. But the point is, is no, that isn't. that's when, exactly, no, it isn't. that's when people want to listen. When you when you start to fight back, say, whoa, 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 whoa wait, let's talk, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, right? So, but we're getting to that point. Again. Again, <laughs> right. You know. But the point is, is that it's not about these spontaneous uprisings. It's about a sustained struggle to let them know that if
1: our life is going to be miserable, so will yours. Or you won't have one. Exactly. And so, <laughs> oh, my God. So so th- it's even more complicated now, I think, because we have people who look like us who are not aware of or familiar with the struggle and the history of black Americans.
3: Miseducation.
1: And are contributing to the problem. Yes. And think that they see y'all gonna like what I'm about to say, Um, some of the Asian brothers and sisters who have collaborated with white brothers and sisters who who have stepped on the rights and the struggle of black people to satisfy themselves and their Mm -hmm. own wants, it it came in a vacuum. Like this just came out of nowhere and all of a sudden bingo, oh we're being discriminated against too, Harvard. We're being discriminated against too, Yeah. And, and I was just, we were talking about before here, um, last year, when the discussions in the Boston School Committee about the exam schools, mm-hmm. the conversations coming from some of those parents yeah. and the group of white parents and Asian parents that got together to sue yeah. the Boston Public Schools, the Asian parents were oblivious yeah. in terms of yeah. the struggle of black people. Yeah. And you could, the only thing between what they were saying and what I heard Klan's people saying was the pointy heads, the Pointy Hoods and the Burning Cross, because mm. the rhetoric was the same. But that's,
3: that's, that's, that's anti-black racism. That's right. Right. And so, you know, because we say, well, racism, Asians, you know, so the, the point is that, but it's also Machiavellian in terms of what the system do to pit us against each that's other. That's right. Right. But it's also dealing with a, a portion of those uh, Asians who feel that they're entitled or should get something at the expense of others, versus saying Burst, that-
1: Based on merit.
3: That's right. But, which is nonsense, as, as opposed to saying, why don't you open up so we all can have a seat? Right. There should that, be enough space for everybody. Exactly, Make no, all of the schools a like no, the exam you're, you're stopping me from getting because I'm smarter than you, which is nonsense. Is there, how you, like, you, you might know something that someone don't know, but I'm, I can guarantee you every kid in these communities knows something that somebody else don't know. That's right. Right. And so it's like, what is knowledge and how do we know that versus saying that our knowledge is standard, our language is standard. You know, I'll, says, no, no, nah, you know, and this is what happens in our own community. Even black people do because the way that black kids talk it says,
1: well, you, you, that's not, what is proper? Who decide what is proper? Who decides what is standard? Or the conversation about, oh, you're trying to sound white. Yeah. Or you're talking white. Or you're acting white. Why? Because I'm more intelligent? Because I'm, what are you talking about? I heard that when I started going to Beaver Country Day School from the Boston Public Schools. But that's Um, a microaggression, you know,
3: like, you know, so it's like, well. Like, you think
1: you're so smart. Well, it's not just me. My teachers do, too, because I'm on the honor roll. Right. Right. But I'm trying to impress my dad. Right. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not even thinking about you.
3: But that speaks to the, 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 the type of education that we have, you know. Um, versus trying to get people to develop and develop at their pace and where they are. And so, you know, but that's not what's happening because more, it's more competitive versus working collectively and cooperatively.
1: Do the students know at UMass what's happening?
3: Yes. Well, the students who we have classes with, you know, because it's, you know, thousands of students there, and if they're not taking our classes, they're not in a know. But, you know, it's been in the papers. We try to educate people. But this is what they try to do, is to keep people deaf, dumb, and blind. This is what critical race theory is about. We don't want white kids to read books that's about truth because we don't want to traumatize them. But black kids are traumatized Traumatized. every
1: time they wake up in the morning. We're we're, we're part of the history we got traumatized in. Like, we live in what you can't handle to to listen to.
3: But they don't want to deal with, 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 uh, with truth. So when they try to stop us, from, you couldn't read and write when we were enslaved. So now they're making it so that these white kids can't read about the truth. So it is it, a very interesting uh, dynamic that's going on. But we have to continue to resist, resist, resist. And we got to let them know, if our lives are going to be uncomfortable, so will yours.
1: Well, we're going to go to a break. But it's not a break that you walk away from and you go get a sandwich or something like that. This is like an information piece. Hopefully when you see my show you know you need a pen and a pencil because there's information that we're going to give you. So in this particular piece um, it talks about Black education um, and higher education and there's also a series of announcements in the community that you should know about. So stay with us and let's roll the break.
0: Interested in becoming a radio DJ? Boston Neighborhood Network's 102.9 FM is offering a course of radio production that can get you started. For more information, please head over to bnnmedia.org backslash services backslash workshops.
2: Before the Civil War, educational opportunities for free black children, particularly in higher education, were quite limited, even in the North. Some students, however, managed to leap over the hurdles standing in their way. John Chavis, a free black man from North Carolina, was the first African American college student. Chavis studied as a private student under the president of the College of New Jersey, now known as Princeton University, and continued his studies at Liberty Hall Academy in Virginia. In 1862, Mary Jane Patterson became the first African-American woman to receive a bachelor's degree when she graduated from Oberlin College. Patterson became a teacher and then the first black principal at the Preparatory School for Negroes, now known as Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School. Before the Civil War, discrimination against black students led to the founding of the first black colleges in the North, including Wilberforce in Ohio, and Lincoln and Cheney Universities in Pennsylvania.
1: Cheney University in Philadelphia is the first historically black college or university. It was founded in 1837 as the Institute of Colored Youth. The founding of that institution transforms educational possibility for African-American
0: people.
2: The era saw huge growth in the number of black colleges and universities, from Howard and Fisk to Hampton and Tuskegee.
1: Historically, black colleges and universities take African-Americans who struggle in our failing public schools and turn them into a rigorous scholar with access to a future who has earned the credentials for a college degree.
2: HBCUs arose as a direct response to racial discrimination, providing opportunities for black students to gain a higher education and enter the middle class. According to the New York Times, HBCUs make up only 3% of the colleges across the country, and yet at least 50% of black doctors and 80% of black judges have graduated from their classes. There remains a significant racial gap in degree attainment, but this gap is shrinking thanks to these black institutions and to increased black enrollment in historically white colleges and universities.
1: Yes, as Professor Vandermeer and I were saying that's an older piece because it's not shrinking, it's widening um, and it definitely will widen as a result of the Supreme Court decision. I mean there's already data reports um, when this happened before in California and what happened to higher institutions of higher learning when um, race was not considered as part of the factor of admission to colleges and universities, it went down significantly and it was never high um, I just saw something today, Dr. Vandermeer, about Howard University's um, school has actually graduated in one class more black students than all of the other Ivy League institutes combined. Yeah. And so to say that, oh, and, I, and was it Sunday, um, Mike Pence, who's running for president, Ugh. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, well, we don't think there's any more need for... Um, this particular consideration when it comes to um, college admissions, that we've already reached that goal that we, we wanted to do 50 years ago by allowing race to yeah, be yeah. a consideration, which, yeah. you know, you and I know yeah. is a lie. It's he's on, been a lie. He's on crack. Well, <laughs> he, he, you know, I mean... You got that
3: good Trump, <laughs> that orange man thing. Right, you know, it's sort of like, but this is the whole idea, is that they're actually making, getting us to believe that that's the reality. Right. So, what kind of leadership is that? Not, it's not sincere. It's not talking about. But well, we you know, can't leave a,
1: Biden out of that either, because he's he's sucking on he's sucking on that pipe too.
3: Yeah. Well, the issue with them is that with the Republicans, they'll just do it. They don't care. Right. The Democrats, you know, have been scared. Right. They need they need courage. They need what Dr. Martin Luther King talked about is having courage and creating creative tension in order to create that kind of change. Right. But
1: Sister Soldier talked about. You're trying to get someone to think about a conscience of morality that doesn't, they don't have a conscience. Exactly. They don't have a sense of morality. But the
3: limit that we're in versus it being a whole ideological struggle, it's a political struggle, which right. means is that we got to get control of the politics because that's where decisions are being made. That's the whole piece around the Supreme Court decision is that somebody has some different ideas, you know, put folks on the court to be able to smack us back 50 years in, 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 in the past, right? You know, so what role do we play? So we got to be engaged politically, and not just in terms of electoral politics, but in terms of being able to create the condition to say, if you aren't going to treat us like human beings, don't expect to have a comfortable but life. But then
1: you have a lot more people that have been co-opted, that have been um, neutralized, really. Yes. You got the black churches at one point the black churches were the places where we organized. yeah and the black churches because because of 501 c3s don't want to uh jeopardize that that money status they want to jeopardize that so they're being silent
3: but think about it this way because the the horrifying conditions of regular ordinary black people has always been like that the people who benefit has been more sort of your your middle class and so forth this piece hurts the middle class their kids their particular jobs. Now it's like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, don't come in here and tell me what I could do now because, you, you, you know, in terms of black people standing up, it's like, it's like you know, it's telling them, go sit down. Right. Go, go sit, sit down. and be satisfied. That's right. But the point is, is that it's hurting them, it's hurting their business. And so the question is, how do we begin to, you know, build that unity, that united front with, you know, black middle class, black working class, black, you know, uh, poor folks and so forth. Because part of the disconnect is that folks was dealing with their own individual development and not really dealing with the conditions of black people who didn't have those opportunities. Collectively. Yeah, exactly. But now it's creating that kind of unity. And it's interesting because they're attacking everybody. So even though there were Asians that were involved around the Supreme Court decision, there are other Asians who don't agree with that. So you, you, you coalesce with that. In terms of the whole question, in terms of what they're dealing with in the gay community, there are black gays who are being oppressed. That's bringing them. So it's creating the prospect of a broader unity. The stuff what they do with abortion, right? So we have to understand what the real opportunities are, organizing and politically, to put these clowns in check. And
1: educating about what those possibilities are, right. and what they used to be when we did the same right. thing.
3: But this is where we have to begin to educate people about anti-blackness as well as whiteness, so that our people who it's, we, we don't need, you know, allies. We need co-conspirators. That's right. Right. And so wait,
1: wait. Talk about the difference, because there's a difference.
3: Right. Well, one is going to go with you all the way, and the other one is just going to be hang out until it meets their interests.
1: Right. or it's too dangerous for them to still continue to be there and align themselves with you. That's right,
3: but as long as, you know, they, Dr. King said, or whoever said, "Injustice." Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to injustice everywhere. So if you realize that because you're all right, and nobody is, you still ain't all right. 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 You, you, in terms of, So that we have to be able to have a broader sense of our humanity, a broader sense of humanity in terms of moving forward. But the prospect of organizing is there. But the Democratic Party... You know, we can't count on them because they're not using no, no courage. But see,
1: most people don't remember that the Ku Klux Klan, the White Citizens Council, were Democrats. I mean, so the Democrats. But they were the a Klan. Th- that's what I mean. They but the Republicans
3: Klan. was the one. You know, the radical Republicans was the one who pushed forth. You know, uh, uh, the, the 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 thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. And Lincoln movement. was a Republican. Exactly. But, the, but it didn't mean that they, they was all down for all no, of us. there was
1: none of them that really it, been down for exactly. black people, no matter but what.
3: Ones, but, but, but what these Republicans were doing is saying that they was. they said, no, y'all, y'all, those are all those down as the Democrats. You, it's, it's reverse, right? But the point is that, and this is what we, we did in 72 when we were trying to organize independent black political parties. We need an independent black political party to address our issues. Who's addressing our issues? Where we come, we have assemblies, and we argue and fight with each other, but we get a position and we go and fight for that position. And
1: we make it too costly for people who are provocateurs, yes. who are infiltrators, yes, because the first FBI agent was a black man, specifically recruited by the FBI and Jay the, the, Hoover to break up black organizations, to get
3: rid of uh, uh,
1: uh, Marcus Garvey, and get rid of Marcus Garvey, right. the first right. black FBI right. agent. But
3: here's, but here's, the, here's the piece. It is through practice because what what some people feel is that you know we start fighting with other black people. Said, so listen, th- th- y'all are gatekeepers. My fight is not with you, even though you're making me mad go you got to go above them you got to throw that arrow at them not because that's what they want they want us to clash with each other so I don't try to I try not to spend most of the time dealing with black people in these positions because it takes away from the principal contradiction. And they're
1: not the pe they're not the, they're not the principal
3: contradiction. Right. They're right. not the power. So brokers. we have to be more sophisticated around that, but we have to build that sense of unity and be able to work with other folks, you know, who are in that boat, but we have to do the kind of education, let them know, you know, that what we do and, and whatever we did has never been about us, it's been about humanity. That's right. Because we are the, the parents of humanity.
1: But knowing that and watching what is happening with black educators on a local level and national level. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying real educators. Okay. I mean real, real, edu- you know, okay, real educators. Black, real educators. Real okay. black educators. With that real. I'm talking <laughs> right, real black educators. Not, you know, all skin folk and kinfolk. Yeah. So being pushed out in higher education, being pushed out pushed out in public education, being pushed out of charter schools. Yes. Real black educators yeah. are being once again pushed out yeah. of um and highly qualified, yes. highly degree, yeah. experienced, um, the six black educators that were pushed out of Boston Public Schools, yeah. um, that put a letter together, That these the senior retired educators, 15 of them, that put a letter supporting the six educators that were pushed out in August before the yeah. new superintendent yeah. came here, that has still not been addressed.
3: Right, but that is that is because of the lack of political organization on our part, because the NAACP, whatever exists of any other black political organizations, all those groups should have been at the superintendent's door and said, "What is your problem?" Every day, exactly. Every day, right? You know, and, but we have to keep create, we to create accountability of black educators. You see, and so that there's that relationship. But if people just, that's just the individual job. It says, "No, you're not there because you're just smart. You're there because we created a struggle for you to be there, and therefore, there should be some
1: accountability." You know, years ago when I was te- when I was at Northeastern University and teaching there, I remember talking to. And I mean, this was years ago, at least 20, 20 years, 25 years ago. Um, I remember talking to a black faculty member at UMass, and I was trying to get a position at UMass. Mm-hmm. And I said, Sister, can you tell me, mm-hmm. like how you know the system, you're there. And she said, I'm not here because I'm black, I'm here. And I went, <laughs> oh God, right here we go. Right. right." And so we still have people there, I'm because I went to Harvard, because I went to this. Yeah. So we know, well, some of us, because um, some are still plugged up to the matrix. We know that we're in trouble when I say we black Americans in this country are in trouble on so many different levels, right? Um, Wealth accumulation, um, economic stability, um, educational levels, um, access to resources. Um, So we know that we're in trouble. Those of of us who are not anesthetized and are are aware. So now what do we do about it?
3: Clarence Thomas. Uh. Clarence Thomas is there because he's black. Yes, he's not there because he was necessary. But I say, and, and and he, he knows benefited. law. He benefited right. from, but, but that's and, and, and the people put him there. Said that is that you know this is you know why you know we wanted him to be there. But what I'm saying is that that's what happens. Is we're going to pick our black people. That's what the, when I say we, I'm saying that the people in power, white folks in power, is said okay. And that's so. What I'm saying is that we have to recognize that so we can we can fight Clarence Thomas all we want. But who hands, you know, he, you know, who's is, is dealing with that puppet, uh, this there, and we have to go. Says no, right? But we, but the, our, the political solution is that how do we make sure that we are creating a real democracy here, or democracy which pe- people say that we can't really do it. We have to change it. Representative democracy, right? But we have to, we have to, we have to exhaust that prospect. So he says, it's like a divorce. We can't do this no more. Then we got to go our separate ways. Let's split up the assets. And that's right? what they said and in that's California. That's reparations, right? But what I'm saying is, is that but we make that effort of saying, okay, we want to live together as human beings across the world, But if you don't want to treat us like
1: human beings, right, it's, it's time for another solution. So it's <laughs> yeah, but the people um, have to be ready for that. I, so that's what I'm getting to. I don't particularly think the people are ready for that. And it's sort of like the at the, the frog at the bottom of the pot that's being boiled, right? Yeah. People are acclimating themselves to being killed. Yeah, 4th um, of July. Right, right, 4th <laughs> of July, July. are And so black folks, we had Juneteenth, and we talked about, you know, Juneteenth, 1865, where black folks were finally told in Galveston, Texas, y'all are free, you, yeah. you've been free for two years, now figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you're not gonna get no more from us, but at least you know you're free. Right. But so, there's that piece right there. But if you're having, when you're having the people who are trying to build that legacy and organize systematically killed. Killed, jailed, imprisoned. Mumia Abu Jamal, he's still in jail, he's still in prison because of the way he thought and how he was organizing, not because he really did anything criminal. And so this country has a reputation for killing and making up charges against people that it wants to eliminate. Um, Asada Shakur still in Cuba, right? She's still on the FBI Most Wanted list. So when you're in that situation, and you're in a situation where people don't necessarily see how dire their circumstances are. And the, and the ways that we used to organize before, through our own organizations, through our own churches, through our own spokespeople, through our own activists, is not as strong. Yeah. Then how do you get there from here?
3: Well, so we're in places, you just think about it. What what would Du Bois be like, or even Harry Tubman, if they had a smartphone? Right? So what I'm saying is, is that... So we have technologies. How do we begin to use that technology? But so, it's technology so, we don't own. D- yes, but what I'm saying is that But it, but we're smart enough to hack it, right? And so the whole point is that how do we use what we have to get where we got to go, right. right? And so, but what happens is that we aren't where we used to be because of the assault. You're raising It is the, the counterintelligence program to, the, to, to, to uh, murder black leaders, to imprison them, to discredit them, right? That's still
1: going on today. To bomb them, exactly. Wall Street. Exactly, exactly. We're the only people in this country right. that the government dropped right. bombs but, on but the real piece, in the country. The
3: real piece is that how do we educate folks? Queen Mother Moore talked about this, is that they created the Negro. What is a Negro? You understand? And so we're dealing with the question of identity. We're trying to get our right minds is what they told, took from us. Well, Malcolm says, "Why well, you left your mind in Africa. Right. Right. So what is that process? So that's a, the that's a type of a struggle. That's the type of decolonized education to begin to really point to our importance, our significance, and our contributions to humanity versus let somebody else tell us that we're inferior and we're not this. I, 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 I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say that. But when somebody tells that, there needs to be a consequence of somebody insulting us like that, right? And so, but we have to defend and protect our ideas.
1: And we also have to not contribute to the false narrative and the negative narrative that's being put out in the media.
3: Right. But, 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 But again, quoting Brother Malcolm, who said that things will only get better when you make them better. So that is our responsibility. That is our obligation. On that's every the, level. That's right. That's not a paid gig. That is mission work. That's not salary work. So that means
1: work. when, if you're in a church, hear me when I say this, if you're in a church, a black person, a black church, and you've got a white Jesus up in there, it's part of the problem. So you need to go to your pastor and say, first off, the Bible said he had skin like bronze and hair like wool. Why are we looking at that? I mean, yeah. at every single level, yeah. you have to yeah, combat this. But that's this. part of
3: the psychological damage. You know in terms of how we see ourselves and what we think it says no it ain't it's spirit and it's this and this and that you know and so forth but it's about us organizing about us creating the conditions that we want and us defending that
1: and supporting it that's right financially so when you see a black business right and when i say this when i see a black business and they give me quality products yeah and treat me fairly that's where you spend your money yeah. even yeah. it costs you a little bit right. more
3: and i would argue any business that supports our community. Yes. Because it's black business is that they go and spend their dollars in Newton
1: after or, they get it. Or the people that are in our community are not our community. That's right. And they come in there and just take the exactly. money and go back to a-
3: exactly. Quincy. So th- exactly. <laughs> so so but the whole point is is that we want to develop black businesses accountable black people. I mean, you know, and it's sad because I remember, you know, the the, the Denver runners and all them in, when when I grew up in Harlem is that at least they gave back to the community. They That's it, true. You, you understand?
1: Either turkeys at Thanksgiving Eggs, or something. Eggs,
3: turkeys. You could get a loan from them because you couldn't get it from the bank. That's right. You see what I'm saying? So there was a level of account, accountability, right? You know, but, and if you didn't do what you're supposed to do, you got roughed up a little bit. But the same system, they are rough you up here. They'll make you or lose you your job. Or you disappear. Yeah, They, you, 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 they disappeared. Many black people put them in some of these prisons who got children. So what I'm saying is that they care, care, don't care about us. We got to care about ourselves.
1: And Ain't nobody coming to save us.
3: Exactly and so but that's the point so that we have to look at education a lot differently Than it going going to somebody's building But if we're going to go to those buildings, we want the people there who's going to be able to m- make sure that we know Who we are how we got there and what we got to do for ourselves and
1: not perpetuate The lie that's right because people who go into these institutions um, Ivy League or whatever institutions of higher learning and <laughs> and think just because you have this degree, all of a sudden you know something, not recognizing that you've been programmed to perpetuate white supremacist policies.
3: Yeah, but we have to understand that educational schools and universities are part of the colonial project, right? And that's what they're going to perpetuate, right? And so that even the language and the way that they use things, because it's like, you know, what makes... See, first of all, the schools are not the centers of knowledge. The community is. That's right. Right? Because you, you... All of us got, you know, family and parents who got documents and stories that they and what we do. When they die, we throw them away. But what happens, these researchers, they want to go and get that history, and then they can write about it and talk about it. So take the picture of your grandmother, you know, from 1899, and then it's in a book and so forth, and you ain't getting no royalties or no nothing. You know, what I'm saying is that they go in our community to be able to write
1: about, you know, saying this is how they know. But we know because those are our people. That's the center. You know, the other thing, too, is that, and I, I tell people all the time, I went to Beaver Country Day School because m- of my father, mm-hmm. because at that time, you know, b- bussing and stuff, my father was one of the architects of the Operation Exodus with Ruth Basson and, and Ellen Jackson that became METCO, mm-hmm. and from the very beginning, my father said, this should only be a temporary solution to why we build our own institutions, right. because the oppressor is never going to give you what you right. need to take it down. Right, and so that's not what happened. And then right. fifty years later, we still right. have Metco. And right. again, there was a lawsuit not too many years ago right. by Asian, yeah. Latinos were like, "Oh no, this is discriminatory. Yeah. You got to include us too." Yeah, yeah. And so you know, when I look at um, Harriet Tubman House, the executive director there at the time was brokered and sold was a Latina. Yeah. When I look at you know the, the places that should be historical. Uh, landmarks for us that right. no longer exist, and I'm thinking right. about the Mandela poster yeah. that was um, on Warren Street. On Warren Street. That got wiped out. That was bo- that was bought by a, right. a Cape Verdean. Right. So it's like, come on, man, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. You are. Yeah. You are. And so you know, people. It's called erasure. It's called erasure. Right. You don't matter. Your history doesn't matter, and so we don't care. And you guys are not. We don't pay the consequences, there's no consequences for us doing what we're doing. Yes, yes, yeah. And so until there's consequences, whether it's financial, physical, relational, generational, they're not going to be forced to change. You see what the black community in France is doing, right? You know, so they're not
3: going to tolerate that. That young
1: boy that just got killed. There was like, what, the day five or six of rioting?
3: You, You understand. So, but the point of it is that it's about organization. Um, was, it,
1: was it Martin Luther King that said riots are the language of the unheard? Uh,
3: of, of the oppressed. Of the oppressed. Yes. You know, but, but as long as we oppress, you're going you're gonna to have that. You know? But they predict that, you know, and then what they'll do is they'll come out and they'll create a scholarship in the name of so and so and so. That's the performative piece. But we don't know a scholarship. We want to change the structure. You know, for example, there was a, a doctor that was talking about this, uh, the, um, uh, the Supreme Court decision. And An impact is going to have on medical schools in terms of less numbers, less people. So what I'm saying is that as 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 poor condition the Cuba is in because of the blockade, U.S. blockade, it's black people who've been going to Cuba to get medical degrees. People from in, Africa, in cheaper Latin America, medical procedures. Right, right. But it, but it didn't cost don't cost you anything for you to go there and get trained, right? So the question is why? Forget about why aren't we creating conditions to
1: train people to deal with the issues that we have? So hold on for a second, because after the break, we were supposed to show um, some posters, some flyers of stuff that's going on in the community. I want to do that while we're talking about what can we do to support the movement, support black people. So if I can have my director bring up these posters. Um, Earlier we had um, a couple of shows ago, um, Judith Foster. This is what's happening now. Um, And my guest here, Dr. Tony Vandermeer, Write, call, email if you see them in the street Boston is not a big place it's a small city it's a big town if you know these people then make us think about it we need you next um, poster please Uh, this is Judith Foster she was on my show the Hero Nurturing Center presents Walking the Road to Resilience with Frederick Douglass today and tomorrow there's other people that are talking about doing um, Frederick Douglass reading parts of his speech do it anyway and hold people accountable this is happening all the way through july into september these weekly programming talking about uh, frederick Douglass. the next one please this right here is a dear dear friend of mine um it kind of cuts off the top of it but domingo cerosa is the coach of the boston Bengals, which is a football team for young people he has been fighting for cleaning up clifford park um clifford park is uh Riddled with needles, it's down there, Mass and Cass. He and Carlos Enriquez there were three of them six years ago, before the pandemic, saying that we have kids down here and we have to sweep this field and these these needles out of here so that our kids have a place to stay, so they can learn these skills. And they they it's not just uh, football; it's actually a youth program. So they're looking for sponsorships. They're looking for young people to be involved in it. It started June and it's going on through. Uh, August, so the season starts August 1st, and this is football season, so um, new Boston Bengals at gmail.com, and you can actually support this and then the other one. This is something I'm intimately involved with, the Community Resource Fair, the New Beginnings Reentry Services Program. Reentering Citizens is what they're calling uh, formerly incarcerated people. These people are incarcerated for whatever reason, but guess what? They're going to have to come back. They're going to come back to the community. And when you get turned out, if you know anybody who's ever been in prison, incarcerated, they turn them out with whatever's in the commissary and nothing else in terms of resources for housing. and You know, there's there's a smattering of whatever. But a lot of the programs being able to go to college or getting a trade have been eliminated. And so there are people that have been in prison for years and decades and expect to function and not go back to prison. Well, this community resource fair, Saturday, August 19th, is the second annual community resource fair. The first one we had last August. This one we're having this August, and it's in the vacant lot right next to the post office in Grove Hall. So these are things that you can actually do and be participated in. Thank you. Back to you. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't just like getting angry about stuff. I like focusing and redirecting that energy towards what can I do about it solutions. and so in solutions, right? So one of the solutions in terms of, I mean, right now, even if they didn't, you know, write down the numbers or information, they know that you and Professor, you know, Jim Adari are being, and this is not the first year that I've heard this, it's yeah. been ongoing for a while. Years. But now it's coming to the critical point of yeah. where they're the, the institution feels safe enough to be yeah. able to make a move. Yeah. So we need people that are actually gonna call them up, yeah. show up, sit in the office. I remember all the stuff we used to do. Yeah. Disrupt press conferences, yeah. show up at their house. You know, um, right now, anybody who has a smartphone or an Android uh, or, or an iPhone can literally go live. Yeah. And you can actually go in the community. You can actually do this stuff yeah. and actually put it on social media and create or 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 support a movement, yes. the energy that actually creates change. Yeah. And what people that are oppressors can get away with is when they're doing this stuff in the dark. Yeah. Well,
3: you know, um, there's been a a tremendous response to this. Um, Folks have been sending in letters. I've been getting copies of letters. You know, Robin G. Kelly, who's actually father, uh, grandfather, was the minister of of John, uh, John with the church on Warren Street. What was that church? Which one? (laughs) Missionary Baptist, was it? Oh, okay. Right, that was his grandfather. But he wrote Freedom Dreams. He wrote the book on Theolonious Monk. He's a, 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 a NAS professor at UCLA, and he wrote a letter to the president, and he said, listen, you know, you need to deal with this, or you're going to, you know, unless you want to be exposed and ruin your legacy, right? So what I'm saying is that people are responding. We want more people respond. Let me know? ask you
1: something. The former chancellor, I think, of uh, UMass Boston, yes. um, Keith Motley. Yes. Is he saying anything to support you guys?
3: We haven't heard him say, say anything, um, you know, but uh, I, you know, so, you know, I went to school with, with, with uh, Keith, and, and, and this is the other. So did uh, I. Right. So we went to school with right. him. Right. But see, but we, we, we were roommates. We weren't roommates, we were sweet were mates, because he played basketball, I played football. And but he you was know,
1: selling fried chicken the, at the institute, make some money at the, the institute. Chicken wigs, so right. and so That's right. And right, good, too. Right, that's right. And then but, after that came right. Keith's place, right? When that's his right. Wife.
3: But the thing is, and so this is the lesson we learned from Robert F. Williams. Mm. So Robert F. Williams was a black person who wrote the book Negroes with Guns, and he was forced into exile to Cuba, and then he went to China. And it's a small, thin book if you want to Google it. That's right. And so Rob said that he learned from the Chinese three things. He said, one is that there's a person who goes with you 100%. Mm. There's, there's another person who goes with you 50%, halfway. But there are those who sit on the fence. Don't push him on the other side. So sometimes, you know, if, if people would do what they could do, and we say, man, thank you. But all they could do is give you a cup, don't get mad because they can't give you a donut. You know, so the thing is, is that, you know, but the point is, is that work with what's there and push it, and hopefully more people will come along, and then they will do, do even more. So, but I can almost, you know, and let me say this that when Keith was the chancellor of the university at, at UMass, right, and, and uh, that when I had my case against UMass the first time, when I got assaulted by the campus police during the Iraq war, later on when Keith became the chancellor, it was Keith who forced them to, ch- to, to settle that case, right? So he didn't, whatever, but he, he was in the he says, y'all need to settle this. You, you understand? But he was
1: in a position where he can actually he could do that. that,
3: that's right. So you know, and you know, and so just sometimes people don't say anything, don't mean they won't do something, right? Right? And Inside, so, outside. That's strategy. right. And that's what we got to learn. We got to be more sophisticated. So it's like, well you do something? No, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. But we have to get, we have to, we have to create that momentum to make these folks accountable and, and challenge them. And, you, and I, I could also tell you that the the the, the, the president Marty Meen has been called, been in calls from a variety of different people who folks will never know about okay you understand but that's because of our relational practice but we want the masses to say listen because if you do it to him and these accomplished people what you going to do to me
1: in the shadows that's right but this is we're bringing this out into the light we got one minute because me and you we always talk about like what can we really talk about and we could talk about anything thank you so much for being here this evening um I don't celebrate July 4th, and so there are demonstrations about, you know, from Frederick Douglass, the words of Frederick Douglass, you know, what's a Negro, does July 4th mean? I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing because yes. that's not the exact quote. So at every, you've got to educate yourself, yes. and then don't just do nothing with it. Thank but you so much. Queen Mother Moore said the worst thing we could do is nothing. The worst thing we can do is nothing. The worst thing you can do with this information is nothing. Thank you for being here with us this evening. God bless you. Take care of yourself and each other. See you next time. Listen, because we're
2: coming like a gang on the street, so you better start running. It's time for some action now. Historical progression. Generations march in succession through 400 years. hate blood, sweat, and tears. And counting, the resistance is mounting. Watch resist. Pull your fist. Throw your hands in the air just like this. We are the, fighters, the of When it gets hard, We charge. Generation of fighters, don't quit, we Don't get it twisted, black women insisted. it. Show the world how they resisted. Alabama got rocked, the world was shocked that they did it. 98% got me.
1: The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network.
2: If you would like to express another opinion